What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guadagni Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my two great co-hosts, Federico Perez and Ralph Pena. And guys, here we are. The end of the international break for 2023 is finally among us. We saw the last two World Cup qualifiers of the year in South America happen between all the countries over there competing for a spot for the World Cup. Obviously, we're going to talk about Paraguay, not in the most happiest of fashion, though, unfortunately, after their matches against Chile and Colombia. We're going to talk about both those games, some of the things that we definitely didn't like, even some that we probably liked. What, and how do we go from here? Because obviously we don't have another World Cup qualifying window until the end of, sorry, until September. So we obviously have another break in March and then a Copa America happening in the United States, which might be a decider to see how Paraguay can move forward in this qualifying process. But let's go straight to Paraguay, where here we are Wednesday morning over there in Paraguay. I'm sure a lot of Paraguayans <laughs> are, are feeling miserable right now and have been kind of accustomed to this kind of mediocrity uh, so far on this national team. Fede Perez, I mean, it was a hard watch uh, in both the games, both the Chile game, even though they came out with a nil-nil draw, but the one-nil loss at home to Colombia, again, not being able to win at home. It's uh, it's not looking good so far after these after these first six games right now for, for Paraguay. As crazy as it sounds, they're still in the spot to qualify for the, um, for the World Cup. They're in the playoff spot, albeit only by goal difference ahead of Chile. Uh, with five points, but they need to get this done quickly if they're going to try to continue to even dream of qualifying for a World Cup, let alone to go into the playoff spot. Yes, totally. Hi, Roberto. Hi, Ralph. It's great to have Ralph back. Uh, we couldn't do the preview episode with him, so it's going to it's going to be nice to hear what he has to say, how he thought this was going to work out, and how it ended up working out after these two games, uh, after facing Chile in Santiago, and after going against a Colombian side that beat Brazil in the first game in these two last two games that we had before the end of the year. It was not the way we we wanted it to end. We don't have a World Cup team yet. We're very far away from that in the sense of playing like a World Cup team. We did see that from Colombia. We did see that from Uruguay. We saw that from a couple of other South American teams in these last couple of games, but not from Paraguay, guys. So, yeah, it's it's so hard to stay positive, to be honest with you guys, after a game like this one, after what you saw in Defensores de Chaco, after building up everything around the national team again, you know, that positive uh, attitude towards the players, you know, the fans in the stands again, almost, almost, almost filling up the whole stadium even with a team that is scoreless, that doesn't give them that much lately. But, you know, the fans are still there. We're still there doing this podcast talking about Paraguay because we want to see our national team in the next World Cup. But, yeah, it looks pretty hard right now, Roberto. And uh, it feels like uh, it feels like when you read an old book, you know, when, when you, you read it once, you watched the movie and you cried the first time and then you watch it four or five years again and you cry again. And you're like, why am I crying about this again? Yeah, it's happening again. You know, we're going back at it. It's feeling like the same thing that we've been going through these last three World Cups. And I don't know, I was hearing somebody saying after the game last night against against Colombia saying, hey, did you guys see what San Marino did this week? They scored more goals, more goals than us. I mean, we're comparing ourselves to that kind of team against around the world. It's just crazy. And I, But before going to wrap, I, I just wanted to thank uh, uh, our FIFA president. If, if it wasn't for Jenny Infantino right now, we would not be in the World Cup, guys. We would not be talking about a possibility of Paraguay going to the World Cup. So thank you. 
Danny Infantino for thinking about the money. I'm, I'm sorry, for thinking about the teams, for thinking about the countries and making the World Cup a bigger place in, in the world. And hopefully we can be there, Roberto. As of right now, I don't think we deserve it. But hey, we're in that seventh spot. So we're fighting. We're still fighting. It's it's still you know it's like it's like the old saying goes it isn't over till it's over and, and you know again you know you can also thank Johnny for the World Cup happening in Paraguay so we still got that but yeah it feels like Groundhog Day in a way Ralph like Fed had mentioned you know really the same old Paraguay that hasn't shown any sort of improvements and you know especially coming off that that draw against Chile where you know many people felt a bit divided they felt like it was a good result given the fact that it was away from home but at the at the other hand it was. It was poor because of the fact that they couldn't take advantage of a really poor Chile side, a Chile side that just lost to Ecuador yesterday as well, that have also sacked their manager in Eduardo Vedi. Sorry, that they got rid of. Um, so it's been it's been kind of a weird qualifying process regardless. I mean, you're seeing Brazil fall off three straight losses. Venezuela doing better. It's not just us that are doing bad. It feels like all of South America is kind of going through these kind of like growing pains of whether or not they are going to go to the World Cup or not. I mean, again, it's seven places, six and a half, sorry. And we're only six games in with still 12 to play. But yeah, with the games that are upcoming for Paraguay in the next year, it's going to be very tough to see Paraguay get some sort of positivity and, and some sort of improvement if they do want to retain that dream of qualifying for the World Cup, which it seems like it's going farther and farther away. Yeah, and I think it seems seems like it's going further away and it seems like we have the same issues that, that we had last qualifying cycle, which is we just can't score goals. So we've we've only scored one goal in six games and that was at home to Bolivia. And you saw the, these last two games, you know, Garnero tried to change things up. He was forced into a change with Almiron being injured, but then with the, the kind of striking and forward lines were different and it just didn't really generate anything. But, you know, even shots on target were were hard to come by. So I think Paraguay has this real issue where they can't score goals. And without that, of course, they're not going to be able to win games. You might be able to get nil-nil draws away, but they need to be able to win games, especially at home. And unless they do that, even with seven spots or six and a half spots, they could find it hard to, to qualify. Also, we should think about we've had really a very easy run in these six games compared to a lot of teams. We haven't played Uruguay yet, who look to be the best side pretty much. Uh, we haven't been to La Paz. We haven't been to Quito, to the two altitude cities. So we haven't played Brazil yet, even though, well, this would have been a good time to play, play Brazil. We're probably going to play them when they're much better with a new coach. So we've got some hard games coming up. So we have to really improve. The, the good news, I guess, the positive is, well, Almiron was injured for this. And CISO has been injured. And I think now a lot of that goal scoring that we're looking for is, is going to end up falling on, on Enciso for him to be able to do something. And so we hope he comes back well from the injury. I think he's he's almost there. And that he stays fit until September. <laughs> because like you were saying, we have a long time. We have the whole season now or the rest of the European season until players start playing again uh, for the national team in, in World Cup qualifiers. So there's there's kind of... There's kind of, you know, a lot to go. There's these positives on the horizon, but there's a lot that can go wrong, as we've seen so far in these games, because, you know, just things like when we thought maybe we had the defense sorted, you get Rojas gets his red card, and so you have to switch that up again with Cáceres. 
and and he had a really tough game against Luis Diaz. So just as you start to get pieces of the jigsaw, things you know can yeah, there's like road bumps, I guess, uh, speed bumps in the road. So we're we're seeing that there's these ob- obstacles that we have to overcome, and we don't have a huge amount of players that are capable of doing that. Yeah, and obviously, I, I think we should obviously look at what's going to happen between now and the next 10 months. Like you said, anything can happen. <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm not locking out wood, but something, you know, could happen. There could be players that come about. Anything can happen, man. I mean, I want to go into, obviously, this first game against Chile. It was a game in Santiago. I think this was a game that many people had thought of the two games. I even thought it in my preview that Paraguay had the opportunity of getting uh, a win there because of how Chile have been performing so well because of the fact that their manager Eduardo Veriso was under fire and it looked like it was a game that was good for them to to take advantage you know it was a Chile side that didn't create much chances I'd say um, you know obviously but of course the red card from uh, Rojas right before the end of the first half had us playing in a completely different way for the second half you know having to take out uh, I think it was Tony Sanavia bringing in an extra defender, Fede. And yeah, I mean, you would feel that you'd feel a bit bitter of not being able to get a result over there in in Santiago de Chile of at least of three points. I mean, yeah, points good. And it would have, it actually helps us in the table as a whole, as we've seen now. But it felt like it was a game that we really should have taken advantage because that Chile side, it didn't really generate a lot. Um, and you can obviously see it in the in the later game against Ecuador that, it's a chili side that could be beatable. Totally. I think we all got that sense, you know, looking especially when we were going up 11 against 11 before uh, Robert Rojas was, was signed off, uh, before he got that red card. I mean, shame on Robert Rojas also because of getting that red card. It obviously uh, jeopardized our, our possibilities of winning this match. And, yeah, it kind of changed the game plan totally there. But you, you were seeing the same problems. I mean, we, we barely got shots at goal. And we got our opportunities late in the game in those last 10 minutes with the subs, maybe. But, yeah, I think Arnero, after Robert Rojas was signed off, he, he thought that a point was, was good enough. And, you know, he, was, he wanted to get the three points against Colombia. I think the strategy totally changed there. Because from the get-go, from, from the start of the match, I mean, he, he put a, a very offensive team to play an away game. And I think that's what a lot of people like, that he ended up playing with two center forwards, with Avalos, with Sanabria, even though they barely created opportunities. They barely had the, the, the chance to really go up against the, the Chilean uh, goalkeeper. And after the game, you were thinking, who were the best players in, the, in, in Paraguay? And it was Andres Cubas because of all the balls that he got back. And it was Carlos Coronel, probably, that, that passed the exam because he had a lot of work. And a lot of people were happy with those two 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 players. I was not happy with with Diego Gomez, who had several opportunities to take the team forward but didn't make the last pass. I, I was not happy with Matias Rojas, obviously, who had a, a great opportunities in both games, especially against Chile, where with Miguel Almiron out, with Ramon Sosa also out, because when Ramon Sosa came to train with the national team, he wasn't 100% yet. He had barely played with his team. If not, he would probably would have started against Chile. But with both of your wings out of the team, you know, the creation, uh, the ball was going to have to go around somebody else. And you were thinking that player was going to be Matias Rojas. And he barely created opportunities for the forwards. And yeah, when we were 
down a man. He had to help out a lot in defense. And uh, with Robert Rojas out, we saw Juan Cáceres get his opportunity. He ended up playing pretty much in both games. They ended up calling Ivan Ramirez uh, as an emergency sub for the second game. We didn't have a backup there. So it, it was kind of weird just the way it came out, Ralph. I mean, it's just what we happened uh, so so far. In each game, we've had problems. If it's not a red card, it, it's ball are not going for us. It's an injury. And you kind of felt that same thing against Chile. The red card obviously uh, took a lot of opportunities away from us. Yeah, that's right. The, the red card obviously changes, I think, the, the game and, and what they were looking for the game from the game, right? Because even even though it was an attacking line lineup, Paraguay didn't really seem to go with the type with the type of team they wanted to build up. They were hoping to win the ball back from from Chile and and try and win in in transitions, which is something that when Berisa managed Paraguay, we we suffered a lot with. So maybe Garnero had seen some of that, and that's why I think Vele mentions Cubas, who who had a game there. But then with the transitions, what you really needed was someone like Almiron that was able to ball carry or, or get you forward quicker. And I think that's where he was looking more at Diego Gomez than than maybe Rojas and and Gomez. We've seen this also into Miami that sometimes he's he doesn't quite fit into that system when you have the two the two pivots like Cubas uh, and Biasanti like he doesn't really have a natural place to play because he's not a wide player um, but then he's not a classic ten either and anyway you had Matias Rojas there trying to be more of the the enganche and and what he was looking if he was looking for Gomez to kind of be the ball carrier. He was looking for Rojas to be the, Matias Rojas, that is, to be the passer, right? To be progressing the ball through passing rather than, than dribbling as much. And and he just really couldn't do that. He had a very poor game. If you look at his stats in kind of passing accuracy, it was like 50% or something. He just wasn't able to, to really do anything with the ball. But then you think, oh, well, maybe that's a bit because he plays by playing Avalos and Sanaria and not say Adam Barreiro. He, he plays a very two quite big strikers that aren't particularly mobile or, or or good at getting into the channels. They're both two players that like to hold up the ball, you know, then give and goes, get back into the box, score headers. So the the way the whole team composition it, it didn't quite click, I think. But like but like we say, the the red card really changes everything. And then when they get out of the game, you think, well, it, it's not so bad. Chile are unbeaten at home. They they drawn another one nil nil and they've won another one two zero so it, it wasn't such a bad result it seemed given the red card and also i re- i was reminded really of the game we played in santiago last time where it's very similar this really defensive match very tight but you just felt if we could just get that final pass we could do something and in the end we didn't we lost two zero because i think uh, i think it was barrett and diaz scored two goals or he was involved in two goals and and we lost that game, and that pretty much started to put an end to our our qualifying hopes last time. So the fact we held on for the points, I think, was was positive, and a reminder that our defense up to this point has been pretty good. Um, we we're still we're still a bit what's the word like shaky on set pieces, but in general, in terms of open play, Paraguay have been have been pretty good in defense, and this was another game where I think we saw that and we defended well. And now looking into the second game where we did see uh, a lot of changes as well. We saw Juan Cáceres coming in as right back. Uh, we saw the inclusion of Matias Rojas in the starting lineup over the Gomez. Ramon Sosa is back. 
as well. And, and Alan Barreiro coming back as well. We saw a completely different Paraguay. But unfortunately, Ralph, we didn't see the best of them. We, we saw a side that really didn't impose any ideas. Obviously, it was Alderete with the handball right in the box uh, for Santos Borre to score his penalty. And then ultimately, it was really Colombia that kind of dominated their sense uh, to try to to get something out of it because we, we saw a Paraguay side that wasn't able to really stamp their authority in this game, you know, really try to create. I was very disappointed by the inclusion of Juan uh, Ivan Negi Samón, someone that really a lot of people had, had hopes for. I didn't think he performed well to the extent. And I think the big one that I think a lot of Paraguayan pl- uh, people, media, fans, whatever, are going to feel very shocked and surprised. No Kaku Romero, not in the game against Chile and not in the game against Colombia. Zero minutes. You know, a player that perhaps could have been decisive moving forward, being someone that could go in and break between the lines. No minutes whatsoever. And so it poses another question is whether or not Kaku Romero is, I wouldn't say deserving because I think he is ultimately deserving. But if we feel like we're just wasting his time with him coming to the national team and not getting a single minute because it feels like, it's it's unthinkable that when you have players like Ernesto Caballero and you know other players like Oscar Cardoso who comes in in the first in the final five minutes, you know, try to impose something and nothing from Kaku Romero. So it, it poses a question about <laughs> maybe we don't, we're, maybe we're seeing something wrong. Maybe the coaches have seen something different, but we're, we we don't see a Kaku Romero that is able to fit in this Paraguay side, even though time and time again in the games that he's been called upon, he's been able to show up. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of mind-boggling because it's not a single coach's decision. This isn't Garnero that's just done this. Perisa did it. Uh, Barosquelotto did it. They would hardly use him. And so I think it's almost become a mentality that, that maybe they think he, he doesn't defend enough or he wants the game to be, you know, too much in and around him and not, not making, you know, making kind of work for the team by by running and this is a team that, that wants to play in transition but all of that said if your one problem is scoring goals or even having shots on target because i think paraguay only had one or two on target against colombia and they both came right towards the end of the game if that's your problem surely you you risk it um especially if you're losing one zero at home and you have to try and get the game back so it it is quite, it, it's kind of baffling really why he wouldn't take a chance on Kaku Romero, who, again, you can argue, okay, he played in Saudi and he played in UAE, but is that league really so much behind uh, Argentina? And then you play Legi Samon, who's, who's been really good for San Lorenzo, but, I mean, you're talking about Kaku's been the assist, he was the assist leader in Saudi, and now I think he's the assist leader in, in UAE. I mean, he's he's one of the very top players in that league, and then you're you're playing a kid that is is doing well in Argentina, but he's not like one of the best players in Argentina. So I don't know. It's it's so strange. It's it's really hard to to figure out. You know what the coaches see and what we you know what we've seen on the pitch when he plays and what they're seeing in training and and how that that doesn't seem to match up. But the other thing I wanted to mention about this game, and I think this is where this is where I warned you guys about Gunnar. <laughs> And he does this and he gets this. He, he just wanted that game to be a real like transition game. He wanted to try and just cut it up because he plays with the two, you know, Kubas and Santi again. And let's just try and get move the ball up and down quickly and, and we'll catch them out. 
the thing about Colombia is, uh, yes, they had James playing, but then you have Luis Diaz. So Luis Diaz had a field day because, of course, he wants the ball to be, you know, the game to be scrappy and him to have space. And he was constantly one-on-one against Cáceres, who, you know, got away with that game with just a yellow card and nothing more. But he, he was terrorizing him in those in those transitions. So why were, you know, why did we set up in a way that really favoured the, the opposition with with essentially who their best player is, is Luis Diaz. Um, I think if I'm right as well, the, the yeah, the the handball comes from that side, I think it's, it's come down the left and then the cross comes in. Uh, it's, it's almost a double handball, right? Because Viasanti actually handles it, but his, his arm was down by his side. And then it hits Alvarete's hand. So I think two penalties for one almost. Um, it, was a bit, it was a bit unlucky in a way, but it was a product of we've allowed... Colombia all this space on the flanks because also Paraguay played tried to play very very narrow as well so it was I mean it, tactically I just don't know if that was the best way to to play against them especially when we didn't have Almiron who was probably the player that would would fit best into that that system and again Rojas was was pretty disappointing the worst thing I thought last night for Matias Rojas was he was disappointing with set pieces and that's kind of the reason, you know, that's the one thing you think he can always do well. And some of those deliveries weren't even, you know, beating the first man. And so anyway, that was really disappointing. And another reason why you might think, if I take off Matias Rojas, let me bring on Caco Romero. But no, instead he goes with people like Ligui Simon, he goes with Ernesto Caballero. Uh, it was interesting that Ernesto Caballero's got these games recently and not Campusano, who, who I thought Campusano did well in his game against Bolivia. And he's, he hardly got any minutes. I think he got like a few minutes against Chile. So that's also strange that those two play together in the same team. Um, and again, he's going for the the more experienced uh, Caballero, but maybe the, the less exciting, I would say. Um, so, yeah. It was, it was for me again a, a kind of strange team selection, but more the subs. I just didn't understand being one nil down why he made some of those those substitutions. Yeah, I didn't understand the match at all from Garnero, especially because we were waiting for a whole other team to start off the game, and when Kaku wasn't there, you were thinking again, okay, who's gonna make the plays? Who's gonna handle the ball? And yeah, it's just like Ralph was saying, you were waiting for that midfield to have a great, spectacular game. And it just didn't go that way. And it was an ugly night overall, guys. It was a headache, to be honest, to watch that first half, especially uh, Colombia took over. And, uh, you know, for the fans even to pay those prices to see a scoreless team like that, that barely bits, builds up football. I mean, I was really angry for those fans, you know, that the people that, that make the trip, that want that want to go see their team, that, that want to see something out there and – Colombia was just a better team, to be honest. I mean, Colombia started out slow. They, they kind of wanted us to see what, what we were going to do with the ball. And we started out even slower, making mistakes. I, I remember it was just starting out. The game was just starting out. And Matias, Matias Villasanti had Cubas right next to him five minutes in the game. And he couldn't give him the ball. He couldn't make a, a, a simple pass. They ended up giving the ball away so many times in this game. Yes, it's a mental thing. It probably is a mental thing because we haven't been to the World Cups lately. And it's a bargain on these players. When we're losing, when we're down, you can feel that atmosphere when we play at home. This team has not felt comfortable with the last coaches. 
with different players ever since South Africa 2010. This team has not done well at home. We have to be honest about that situation. We cannot get home advantage back. And that's something that we definitely have to work on. And I don't know how the coach is going to do that because I thought bringing in new blood, bringing young players was going to spark up something. But just like Roberto was saying, I mean, yeah, you put in Ivan Lee Samon, but he doesn't look, he didn't look prepared for this kind of game. He didn't look prepared to go at, at the, the Colombian defense. So we can talk about Kaku here, why he hasn't had the opportunity to play in this team. I don't understand it from the coach. I didn't understand it from Berizzo either because Kaku had several good games. I didn't understand it from Celotto when he had the opportunity to build a team around Kaku being the playmaker, and he didn't want to do that either. And now Daniel Garnero, who, who was a 10 when he was a player, and you would have thought, hey, maybe he can get along with Kaku. Maybe he can... Uh, understand Kaku a little bit better and and understand that he's not going to help you out to get the ball back, but you already have Kubas, you have Villasante to be those intensive midfielders. You have Diego Gomez now, so you found your midfield. Why not put in Kaku when you don't have Almiron, your star? You, change the way you play. Don't play so fast with the ball. Try to have a player that can build up football. You want to have the football. You want to have the ball a lot more. You can see that out of Gardero. Libertad plays like that also. Libertad has the ball a lot more. So he likes the possession. He likes to have the ball. But to have the ball, you have you need to have players that can play with the ball. And we, we did not see that in Colombia. We like just like I was saying, you saw a whole bunch of players make making mistakes with the ball and and it just got worse and worse. I think Colombia should have taken a bigger lead in the halftime and we had the opportunities in the second half because yeah, we were pushing it. We put in Tacuara Cardoso in those last five minutes. Maybe he should have played 20, 25 minutes, half an hour, just because of how the game was being played. Uh, Colombia was just waiting for us, and we were just throwing long balls. Even Gustavo Gomez was playing as a as a striker those last 20 minutes. I mean, Ramon Sosa maybe was just one of the few sparks that you saw out there having that huge opportunity. What was it, minute 26, I believe, that he had that chance? Yeah, the one-on-one. So, on one took two players away from him and, and had the opportunity. That was probably the only good play we had. And then those chances at, at, at the end of the game with, with Taquara Cardoso, uh, 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 Colombia that took it away right from the line, uh, Gustavo Gomez trying to head in a, in a, in a ball there in, in the box, opportunities, but just pressing them, uh, uh, Roberto, uh, Ralph. I mean, no football, no football whatsoever, no ideas. And it was weird from Daniel Garnero. I, I didn't like the team that started. I didn't like the subs. Ernesto Caballero over Kaku, over Diego Gomez. Uh, Avalos instead of Taquara Cardoso. Taquara Cardoso, the, the, the guy that scored the most goals in Paraguay this whole year, and you only give him five minutes. Those are the things that I'm just not going to get my head around. And Garnero's going to have to look into this game. And obviously not make the same mistakes again, Roberto. I thought that these mistakes were going to happen from Garnero eventually. I didn't think they were going to happen this fast. And I'm really worried about going forward, obviously. Yeah, and, and Ralph, you know, you can jump in if you want. You just look at some of the things like, you know, they've been together. Again, you know, you're only together for so many years. Sorry, for so many um, days and whatnot. But you think to yourself, what have they been doing in training? Have they... Have they been improving on their finishing? Because I'm sure they're practicing that. And, you know, that's something that I think a lot of teams have to obviously focus on is, is training and, and finishing. But, like, 
one goal in six games. Like it's crazy. Even when you think about it, they, they are the, the good news is that they are attempting it. I think I, I saw a stat the other day that they really have a high XG. So expected goals is one of the highest in all of South America, but they're still not finishing properly. So you think about what's going on, where are they getting their shots? How are they doing it? And, yeah, it's, it just feels that like maybe these training methods are not properly being used by Garnero uh, for these for these important games, and maybe they just they get cold and they 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 get nervous heading into the when the actual game happens. Well, two days before this game, they had a huge asado because Taquara. Yeah, that Cardoso, was weird. Yeah, that was weird. I, I'm you're talking about training methods. I mean, Taquara Cardoso owns like a huge ranch with you know prize winning. Uh, cows and that kind of stuff, and they were using his from his ranch and having a big asado. I, I'll be honest, I don't think Colombia were preparing in that same kind of way. So maybe there's also a, a talk about professionalism and how you just prepare for games. I mean, the world has moved on. Football has moved on from the early 90s when Paraguay were very good on the mid-90s. But but it's just a different game. So there, there might be something in that. I don't know if that affected them. Um you look at the team, it's true. We don't really have, uh, apart from Taquara, maybe, but we don't really have a goal scorer, right? Because even Sanabria is coming, actually coming back into it. But I think his best ever season has been about 12 league goals. Avalos is playing well, but again, this is one of his best ever seasons. He's not like traditionally a goal scorer. Uh, Ramon Sosa is, is very good, but again, he's a winger. He's not a goal scorer. It's like even Almiron is, you know, he's he's not his team's leading scorer. He's just a, He's just someone that can contribute. So you're like wondering, maybe we needed that. Uh, at a time, it could have been uh, Robert Morales when he was at Cerro, but now he's gone to Toluca and he's not really scoring goals. So it's just we need that one person that's just kind of a killer in front of goal and, and we don't have it. Because I think, yeah, to your point, the XG has been fed. Well, it's been higher than, than it should be. I think it's been like 1.5 and we've scored one goal. So we should have scored two or something. It's, it's still not like a huge amount. But yeah, we... We need something to change up, up up front because that's where it really is affecting us. Yeah, and Fede, going to you now, because obviously now this is the last um, international window of the year. And like I had mentioned beforehand, is the first, it is the last World Cup qualifier for a while, actually. We don't get back till September. But of course, and we actually just got the announcement the other day about the Copa America being played in the United States. We got some games. We have the final in Miami, opening game in Atlanta, uh, semifinals in Vegas and and LA, and we're obviously waiting for the draw that is happening on December 7th to see who Paraguay will play. That has to be really a competition where, you know, again, you have every right to go and compete and want to go and hopefully do well, but you're there to try players. You're there to really test out your best team to hopefully compete because these are some of the teams that you're going to play against in the qualifying process, looking forward into the next games. For the for next year, you got Uruguay away. You got Brazil at home. <laughs> Brazil side that as bad as they are right now, they 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 are still Brazil. Uh, Ecuador away, uh, Venezuela at home, Argentina at home, and then finishing up with Bolivia away in La Paz. Those are the next games uh, for the next year. And yeah, it, it really has to be really a, a Paraguay side that has to really improve on all fronts. We'll see what happens in March, but we don't know who Paraguay will be playing in those friendlies. But Ultimately, they need to improve on everything. And, yeah, you got the inclusion, again, of Almiron and Enciso, maybe some new fresh faces that we haven't seen. Uh, part of this qualifying process will be able to, to be part of it. But 
you have to really look at improvements on all fronts, man, to, to, to be that competitive. Totally, Roberto, because, you know, I, I was looking back before this Colombia game and we played Colombia almost a year ago uh, in, in, in USA, I believe that game was, uh, in Florida. And we lost to them 2-0. And I was looking back to the players that played that game and how we played that game. And yeah, we, we were back then barely shooting at the target. They, they beat us so easily. And it was the same thing again last night. I mean, you can see that time goes by. Players are changing, but the style is still the same. It's still heavy on our players. And I don't know how they're going to get that off their shoulders, especially at home. Yeah, you're going to say only winning, only winning a couple of games. But how are you going to do that now with those uh, teams that are going to come to us, Monsieur? Uh, you, you guys were saying the road so far has been the easy road for Paraguay. And now I think uh, are going to come the hardest games. And this is where I want to see Arnero be that coach that we need for the national team. He's going to have to really prepare and get a very strong team out of this next uh, Copa America. I don't think we're going to see a big change in those two games against uh, the European teams in March, maybe a couple of comebacks due to uh, injuries. We do have a big list of injury players right now that would probably be fighting for a starting spot in the team. Um, but yeah, we, we, we need everybody, Roberto, and we have not had everybody available up so far. I thought that Julio Enciso was going to be the big star in this team. We haven't seen Julio Enciso in the qualifiers yet. I want to see that. I want to see that relationship with Miguel Almiron. They have only played one game together, and it was a friendly. It was not even a an official match. So I, I want to see that chemistry build up. Hopefully, it is in the world. It's it's in the Copa America. Hopefully, we find our striker. Hopefully, things really change because as of right now, you feel like the end the year is ending the same way we ended last year. You know with with, the, with the, the feeling that we don't have a team to go to the World Cup. And even if we do go to the World Cup, we're not going to compete in it because we're not competing in South America right now with the strongest team. So you got to be concerned about that situation. And you got to put the players, uh, to, uh, their heads got to be totally on, on the goal. I, 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 I get what Ralph is saying. The asado, the barbecue is a typical South America thing here. Before the games, the players get together. Argentina did it, and they still beat Brazil by 1-0. I don't think it's a problem. I don't think, uh, you know, building up the relationship with the players, especially with that positive uh, atmosphere, it, it's always good. Uh, that, that's why I think they even brought that Cuadra Cardoso, because you can see that after the game against Colombia, he was probably the only one trying to bring up the players. He was hugging everybody. He was telling everybody, this is not over. We still got a whole a bunch of games ahead. Everybody was with their heads down. And most of those guys are very young still. So I, I think that's why Taguara Cardoso was also brought in, you know, to kind of bring in that, that good energy, to bring in, obviously, his experience. He's 40 years old. He was the, he was, uh, the oldest player in that locker room for these two games. Uh, I wanted to see more from him. I thought that it was an opportunity to say goodbye to him also in the national team just because I don't I don't think he's going to play next year. I think we have to go and look for young strikers, hopefully Alex Arce. Hopefully certain players can take a leap and go to Europe. I think we need those kind of players also, Roberto. I mean, this is something we talked about ever since the last World Cup, and we haven't gotten many players to Europe. We don't have 
what Colombia has, what, what Uruguay has. And you can see that that's making the big difference right now in the South American stage. Those teams have made have taken that leap. They have gotten away from us. And our fight right now, I think, is with, is with the weakest teams. And to be honest with you guys, thankfully, the weakest teams have not waken up. I'm talking about Peru. I'm talking about Venezuela. That started off well, but right now got cold again. Uh, they, they, tied up, they tied this last game. Uh, I'm talking about Bolivia that hopefully will knock it off. We, we beat them already. But right now, our opponents in South America are those teams, are the weakest teams, Roberto. It's really, you know, Ralph, are we going into a point where at this point we have to hope and pray that the teams like Chile, Bolivia, and Peru really fall off and that we can still fight for those spots? Because I think ultimately that has always been our our goal is to qualify for the World Cup in those last spots in the sixth or seventh place. I think it's still the case. I mean, again, they're still in that spot. They're going to remain in that spot for 10 more months, but... You know, we're also depending on a, a fall off from Peru, Bolivia, and uh, and Chile as well to to help us be in that spot. I mean, this is this could potentially be a situation. I'm not saying it will happen, and I'd love it for it to happen, but they could be historic low points for for all these teams, and they'll still be able to have a chance at qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, it, the the big thing is, I mean, yeah, let's say the rivals are Bolivia. Peru, Venezuela, like if you finish above those three, then you, you're in the playoffs. But we've already played Bolivia and Peru at home. <laughs> so we have to go away to those games. And then we have Venezuela, we played away. I guess we still get them at home. Um, but that's that's one thing, right? They will be looking, they will be looking at the, the Paraguay home game in their in their case as like, oh, this is where we can pick up. This is where we can get some points, especially Bolivia, who pretty much always beats us at, at altitude. So then it's like, oh, well, can we take points of someone else? So is it Chile? Is it Ecuador? Remember, Ecuador started the, the qualifiers with minus three. So everyone was seeing that as, as an advantage. They're, they're on eight points right now with, in fifth place, by the way. So they're Yeah, exactly. They, they <laughs> haven't had, had too many difficulties. But that's maybe those are the teams we're targeting points from. We're not, we're not going to do an Argentina and win away in Brazil. We're going to probably find it hard at home to Brazil and to Argentina. Very difficult Uruguay with Bielsa. So those are games where you think we're probably not going to get any points. So the, the targets has to be the the Chile-Ecuador home games that will be happening and then somehow get something from the the away games in, in Bolivia and Peru. And, of course, um, hope that the other teams fall off, too, that they don't pick up more points. So it's kind of, you know, working on that as well. It's fair. I mean, it's a whole conundrum as well, like getting the calculator. OK, we need to get these points and hope that these guys don't win. It's the same thing. Like you said, the whole notion, Groundhog Day again and again. I, I think we should be thinking more about us, but that's the situation around right now in South America. Right. The rest of the teams have not picked up, especially Peru and Chile which are teams and countries that I think have good players and that can build up a good team. But I think we need to look uh, into ourselves. And I was, think, I, was, I, was, uh, I was thinking about what Carnero said in the press conference after this game. And, you know, he said that there's a whole bunch of players that he wants to call that he hasn't seen yet. And I think, you know, in these, last, in these first four games, he called up a lot of players that he already knows. But he also called a lot of players that he wanted to have for the first time in a training session. It's not the same thing to watch a player play or 
or, or hear from another coach and to have him with you and see the personality, see how he reacts also in, in, in hot games like Paraguay has to play now. And, and I think Arnero also went through that process in these first four games, right? I, I think we're going to see that filter now going forward in March to see who passed the exam, who didn't pass the exam. And to see if he's still going to go into these Libertad players that didn't really make a difference. Maybe just a couple, Matias, Espinosa, maybe. But the rest, yeah, I don't know if they really are fighting for a spot. And then you have players that I have no idea what they're doing in the national team. I mean, to be honest with you guys, that's Donkey Menace. He was called up for all four of these games. And he was never, he never had a, a single minute. He wasn't even uh, in the bench against Columbus. So I'm thinking, what is this guy doing in, in the national team? What is his role? Why is he bringing in players that are not fighting for a spot? Uh, you need competition in there. And it, it's really weird from that side also. I, I want to see Garnero fire up these boys because I didn't see a lot of blood in these guys, especially in that first half uh, against Colombia. And I, I, we need that, Roberto. I mean, if there's something... We cannot go around is just how concentrated we are in these matches and just uh, you, and 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 just really how into these matches you are. And you can see that Paraguay was not concentrated against Colombia. We did not play this game as a final. And it, it really was a very important game, I believe, for us to take the lead to show South America that we were ready for this challenge and we didn't pass the challenge. We didn't. We did not pass the challenge. I mean, guys, I guess before we can close it off here, are there any positives that we can get from anything and, and what we can go moving forward? Because we have a new year. You know, like you said, new year, new me kind of mentality. Is there anything? Because I'm trying to think of the top of my head. I, With the inclusion of maybe in CISO and probably on me back, maybe, but I got nothing. What do you guys say? Got to get me some sort of positivity, if at all. <laughs> No, the hope, I think the hope is in CISO, right? A lot, there's a lot of pressure going to be on his shoulders because he's where we're lacking. He's the one that can fill that that gap. So it's, it's the hope he can do it in the national team. And I don't think we've really seen it, but not because he hasn't performed well. He's just hardly played for the, for the national team because of injury or there was times when he wasn't getting game time in Brighton. And so I think in his best moments, he didn't really get much time with the national team. So a lot of hope on him. Get it? Yeah, obviously I'm hoping for certain players to improve. I, I don't think we saw the best Diego Gomez these last couple of months, ever since he left Paraguay and went to Inter Miami. Villasanti uh, might make a, a change. He might go from Gremio to Europe. There's a lot of talk about that situation. I'm talking about the starting players. And uh, I want to go back to the Kaku situation. I mean, this is something that Garnero has to look into with uh, Almiron, with uh, Ramon Sosa. You still need a, a playmaker. We had them against had, uh, in that first game against Peru, and, and we still needed that, that player that, that made the right passes. And I think Kaku is, is going to be needed in this team. And if it's not Kaku, another playmaker, but you need another player like that. I don't see another player like Kaku in this roster. I don't see another player like him in the Paraguayan league right now. Uh, but I do think we need a player that can get that half ball and, and make the plays, make the, the team play better because we're on a downhill again, Roberto. Just when you think, we thought that we were, you know, getting little things out of the games and building up a positive attitude again towards the national team. 
uh, no, we took a couple of steps back and I'm really worried about the situation. As a positive, I would say Gustavo Gomez did a really good job as a captain leading the team. I do think we need more leaders in that locker room, but Gustavo Gomez kind of showed up in that sense in this game. I mean, he did it against Bolivia. Uh, he was very important for us to win that game. In the second half, he really showed up there. Obviously, I'm waiting for those players to have a great year again next in, in 2024. And Enzo Gonzalez, maybe maybe he can get his opportunity and Wolves start playing. Maybe another player in Europe. I don't know. There's not much right now as a player that can come in the national team and make a big impact. I have a difference in this team, but I think it's, a lot of it is going to be on Daniel Guerrero. He needs to pick the right players. He needs to do a good job going forward. If not, Copa America could be the end also for him. I mean, we went through this with Berizzo, and after the Copa America, a lot of people were saying, hey, it's time to, to get Berizzo out of the, out of this spot. We, we got to get a new coach. And I don't know if we're going to go through the same situation next year if the results don't go uh, side by side with this team. Uh, we'll see what Garnero's plans are for the, world, for the Copa America. If he's going to go with the young team, if he's going to go again with the experienced players, I think he should go with the young players. We need to test players out and hopefully come out of the Copa America with a very strong team. I agree. I agree. That's, that's, the, that's the hope that we can have. And hopefully we can start having some joy talking about Paraguay because it's been a while we've been able to do that. So to close off this episode of Guardian for myself, Roberto Rojas, Pele Perez, and Rolf Pena, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon. <laughs>